0: Hey, girls and ghouls, welcome to Slashers Prefer Blondes, the podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're
1: booking our flight to Summer Isle to keep our appointment with the Wicker Man in Robin Hardy's 1973 film, The Wicker Man.
0: The Wicker Man 1973 is our choice for this, um, month episode. <laughs> you good? 1973 um, is The Wicker Man is our choice for this episode. We're kicking off the end of the year strong, I think, with a very interesting cult horror, folklore horror classic. And this episode is coming out on Halloween. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy, happy Halloween. Around. Happy Happy Halloween. Yeah, Happy Halloween! Scream, exactly. And definitely, definitely check out this movie if you have not seen it before. And then go ahead and queue up the 2006 remake for our commentary that should also be coming out right now. So you will have plenty of Wicker Man to tide you over, both positive and negative. <laughs>
2: Surprise double feature!
0: <laughs> but this movie is Heidi's pick. So Heidi, do you want to yeah. explain a little bit about why you chose The Wicker Man?
2: Yeah, sure. So at the end of our last episode, of course, we were still deciding. And that was mostly because I was having a really hard time picking a movie. And I wanted to do something different this time. And I actually was thinking about doing something really witchy. But I like couldn't figure something out. And I just had like a random thought that we should try the wicker man because like, I remember watching this for the first time with Natalie for one of our like Halloween horror extravaganzas that we do every year and having just like a wild time with it. And then it was actually Natalie who suggested that we should do the commentary with it. And at that point I was sold. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the pick." So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because this film is really, unlike any other film that I've ever seen
0: <laughs> I definitely yeah. would agree with that I think that's a valid sort like summarization
1: of this movie yeah yeah I'm gonna be upfront and say that I th- this is the first time I'd seen the film I only watched it once because that's all I had time for I told this to Natalie and Heidi beforehand but uh, I was not prepared for <laughs> what I was going to see I ultimately am glad I watched it. I would recommend it, but I would have, like, five asterisks to, like, let people know a little bit what to expect.
2: What are the five asterisks?
1: Oh, God. Well, I can't come up with them on the spot. But one would be (laughs) prepare for, like, some softcore porn scenes. But, like, well, it's weird, but it's not, like, it's not sexy in any way. Yeah. But I was just, I was like, whoa, this is
0: coming out of nowhere. There are more graphic there are more graphic horror movies. Like, there we'll are more say graphic. say that. This is it's the tone. It's the exactly. tone with it's the graph. Yeah. It's
1: the tone. Second Prepare for a musical, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I do think that it's really interesting that Heidi did <laughs> accidentally choose a musical. This film, this film is a musical. Like songs are used to narrate plot points yes. in this movie. I was <laughs> like, it's a musical?
1: Yeah. Of course, you know, nothing against musicals, but they're just not my bag. So I was like, a yeah. horror musical? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> I gotta say this real there quick. Are plenty
0: of, there are plenty of horror musicals that exist. that i have avoided
2: i fully did not remember there was so much like singing in this movie so i was very pleasantly surprised
0: (laughs) i knew there was a lot of music in it i knew that the film had a very intense and complicated relationship with its soundtrack because it really does use the music to emphasize like the feeling of the film yeah a lot of the songs are i think just like bops no versions (laughs) of i think i read that a lot of the songs are just musical interpretations of robert burns poems which makes sense because the film set is set in scotland and like he just that's why there's so much like corn rigs or bonnie happening like, <laughs> that's why there's, like, shit like that happening. And, like, we're talking about, like, the the hills and, like, the yeah. barley and, like, stuff like that. Like, that's why all of that is so infused into it because he writes about Scotland. And a lot of the poems are very, like, naturalistic and very talking, very much so talking about, like, the beauty of Scotland because, like, it's a gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. Like, even a lot of the scenery shots in this are, like, beautiful. You know what I mean?
1: yeah and and to be yeah. fair
0: i i did not hate the music
1: it was just a little bit of a shock because i was like oh mm-hmm. we're gonna have some yeah. music at the beginning you know that's that's fair that's typical and then when we get uh, we get to the
0: naked dance scene <laughs> just, <laughs> i'm sorry I which, realized... naked, which naked dance scene oh okay. um, <laughs> we'll get there you're talking you're talking about with willow the, the innkeeper's daughter right yes yes yeah. exactly when she's fucking grinding it against the wall she's yeah. slapping
1: her butt and and banging on the on the door with her fists yes yeah. that one but once i realized okay this is going to be integral to the movie it, yeah. it kind of did add to the feel of it and the vibe of yeah. it and i was like okay like i don't actively dislike this it's just making it even weirder which is what this movie already is definitely so, you know it was just a little it was yeah. it was the shock value at the beginning and then i was like okay i'm here for it you know this is what's happening Mm -hmm. which is how the movie experience as a whole went for
0: me. Yeah. Well, I think all this is really important too, because I was doing a little bit of research on the film, obviously, before we Mm -hmm. were going to sit down to record today. And I was like reading up on the film's production history. And they got the idea to make a movie that was like very back to our naturalistic roots. Like they liked Mm -hmm. the idea of bringing in a lot of like occultism, pagan religions. Like, so they went out, they filmed this movie and then when they brought it back to the studio, the studio was like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? Like, yeah. like <laughs> Valid! Like, <laughs> that's honestly valid. Valid. People called this movie unsaleable because it, like the genre blending didn't make sense. Like They were like, we don't know how to market this. We don't think people are going to come uh-huh. see this. Mm-hmm. So it got just kind of like shoved on the back burner. It, I think they put it as a double bill with Don't Look Now because Don't Look Now yes. was the other big movie from coming out of Britain at the time period. And I get... I understand why they chose don't look now over this film. I prefer this film to don't look now. I think, 100%. I think in terms of like people who are really into horror film history, that might be kind of blasphemous to say that I'm not a huge fan of don't look now, but I, it just didn't connect with me. So I prefer this movie because I think it's more fun. But um, because of that, it didn't really take off that much in Britain. Yeah. But The Wicker Man became huge in the United States. Like the guy was immediately like a celebrated director, um, Robin Hardy, mm-hmm. and it was met with like such a claim. And I think a lot of that has to do with like where we were at in the 1970s, like the time yeah. period. And that's kind of how this film sort of slithered its way into cult classic status, despite the fact that it was basically yeah. dumped by the production company. And I think that's really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I also read that Christopher Lee did a lot of the publicity himself and was like practically begging people to go see this movie. And he has said like recently that he thinks this is the best film that he's ever made. I did see that. Yeah. I
0: think that's honestly kind of valid because he is fantastic in this. Like he He is, like, one of the reasons why I think this movie works as well as it does.
1: Absolutely. Honestly, this is a little embarrassing, but, like, I knew that he was in this movie, but I didn't put it together that he was, like, how different he was going to look. So I legitimately did not know which character he played (gasps) until the very end, and I saw who he played. Like, (laughs) I I, I did not even realize, like, yeah, the voice, like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, maybe I was just, like, so... Engrossed in it and like, what the fuck is happening? That mm-hmm. I just didn't even put it together. So at the end, I was like, that was Christopher Lee, and then it all made sense. It totally clicked. Yeah. But like, yeah, as I was watching, I was like, this guy. Who is this
0: guy? Yeah, <laughs> that was that wild. is like really that's really valid though. <laughs> but I think that like when we're when we're talking about horror in the 1970s in general, like we're turning our backs on, like, the old-school monster movies. We're turning our backs on, like, Hammer Horror. And we're like, we want something more cerebral. We want something more Mm -hmm. thought-provoking. And something that's going to go against the grain. And then you're also thinking about, like, the cultural status of everything at the time, right? So Mm -hmm. we're in the 1970s. We're rebelling against, like the conservative like overhaul that we've had in yeah, the 1960s yeah. and the fifties especially like the sixties are very much a transformative period in the seventies, I think is when all of that really comes to fruition. You get like the hippie movement, the free love movement. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes with like the, this interest in occultism and this yeah. interest in paganism. And it like starts becoming more mainstream. We're seeing it in like British rock music. We're seeing it in like the counterculture. And this film really highlights a lot of that interest and that anxiety surrounding that in a way that I think is really interesting and kind Mm -hmm. of ahead of its time. Like I think that what we see here is a very good precursor to what we start seeing more of in the seventies when it comes to horror, but then also in folk horror in general. That's why this is such a, this is like one of the pinnacle cult horror films, Mm -hmm. I believe Mm -hmm. like folk horror films. Did you guys watch that? documentary on shutter about folk horror i know i told heidi too but i don't know if she did
2: i watched i did not at least part of it but it was long yeah and sometimes my attention span is um, short i would say (laughs)
1: understandable
0: (laughs) (laughs) i really really love documentaries about horror films so like Mm -hmm. i was jumping on this immediately when i saw it um it's called Woodlands Dark and days to Bewitch in days bewitched
2: it is very good from what i saw
0: yeah if any of you listeners are interested in full core at all i would definitely recommend watching that documentary it does talk about this film obviously
2: uh, yeah but it also <laughs> kind of
0: talks about like the roots of full core and like what mm-hmm. it is used to sort of demonstrate and i think that when we're talking about the anxieties that were kind of coming up in the mm-hmm. 70s and how that eventually leads to the satanic panic in the 1980s and how that mm-hmm. influences horror culture as well like we can see a lot of really interesting things happening starting in this film but i also think that the way the film portrays these like pagan rituals and like the people of the town is also really mm-hmm. interesting and i'm really excited to talk about all of that with you guys when we mm-hmm. get into the summary mm-hmm.
1: yeah that was a fantastic You know, summary of what's going on as far as horror throughout the decades. I definitely found the central themes of Christianity versus paganism, repressed sexuality versus, you know, open, kind -hmm. of free sexuality. And that that representing the anxiety that people felt, that certain people felt during that time. I thought that was really well done. And obviously the focal point of Mm -hmm. the film. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I actually wanted to ask before we get started is... Heidi, I'm a little surprised that you don't like The Exorcist, but you do like this and that I think they have similar themes. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I I, I do feel like there's some overlap there.
2: Look, I think The Exorcist is a fucking boring movie. Let's just... We're just gonna throw <laughs> it out there again. We keep
0: coming back to this. Like, Heidi, why don't you like The Exorcist? Uh, we're, we're gonna have to eventually cover The Exorcist. But, like That's gonna have to be something but that we're eventually le- gonna have to do. legitimately,
2: I was like, I wonder why. So, like, I, I was just, like, wondering that. There's, like, a couple of specific scenes in The Exorcist that I really don't like. And I think it's really boring. Like... But this, I'm fully engaged with. I'm here for it. I'm just delighted.
0: Maybe it's just the music. Maybe it's just the songs. Honestly, <laughs> okay. yeah, but I, I mean, love
1: like, a good bop. There is a big like. So even though the themes are similar, I can see there's a there's a huge difference between like the subject of each film. Like mm-hmm. who we're actually following and what's happening to them. Yeah. So I could get, you know, I see that, but I was just like, I feel like it's thematically pretty similar, but that doesn't take into account everything else different about. What's the, the name of the main so. character
0: in The Exorcist? The um Reagan? The the girl? No, not man. not not Reagan. The the father, Karis. Oh. Karis. Yeah. Karis. Uh, Karis.
1: Something like that, yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not the person to ask about this. I
0: find him to be a much more compelling protagonist than what we get in this movie. But I did want to kind of mm. ask you guys, we can talk about this now or we can talk about this at the end, but I did kind of want to ask you guys if you think that we are supposed to be on the side of our protagonist. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking it's that Mergent too. Howie within this film.
1: Let's save that because Let's I was also that. wondering that. I was trying yeah. to think, like, is there, I even looked up afterwards, like, was or is I don't know if he's still alive. Robin Hardy Christian, or like, was the writer Christian, or like, did anyone have like a religious bent or bias? And I couldn't really find anything. Well, so
0: maybe I would assert. Now I'm gonna just I'm to say this off the top because you know what? Fuck it. Like, what? What? Who wants concluding thoughts at the end? I think <laughs> that this film. I think that what this movie does that is really interesting is that it sort of parallels um, religious fanaticism Mm -hmm. between Christianity and this pagan religion. I think that it is indicting both simultaneously, but Mm -hmm. in very different and distinct ways. So I don't don't know if the filmmakers are specifically trying to target just Christianity when we're talking Uh about this, or if they're just talking about religious fanaticism as a whole. Yeah. Because at the end of the day when the wicker man is burning we can't really say that the pagans are great people <laughs> they're literally dancing you. while they watch him burn yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: i i did a little bit of research just like trying to pull like you know what maybe like other critics have been thinking or people who are better at analysis than i am <laughs> and i found like this interesting quote on like a film cred article and i thought it was really one a little bit of it was funny and two i thought it was very good so it says like once howie like sergeant howie puts on the punch costume the film's messaging becomes clear this film is like a warning sign to those who uphold the oppressive state of policing and imperial christianity and then it says like all cops are punch, which I think is really funny. Screaming a cap,
0: all- <laughs> but like but like a a cap a cap a cap. That's exactly <laughs> what it
2: says. A cap. All cops are punch. And then it says a little bit later in the article, what's the real concrete difference between Neil Howie and someone like Candace Owens, Tucker Carlson, or Charlie Kirk? And I was like, ooh, that was good. Like well, that's valid.
0: I read a Polygon article about this movie. I forget. Oh, so oh did you read this? That's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there was this part in the Polygon article where it actually talks about the end of the film. Yeah. When Christopher Lee is like basically saying, you're going to go in the wicker man. And it's like, uh, and then uh, Howie's like, "Well, what's going to happen next year when your crops fail again? They're going to want to kill you. Like, they're Mm going to come after you next." Which was a very good argument. And then Christopher Lee just goes, "They will not fail." Yeah, excellent line delivery, by the way. And this Polygon article was positing that that sort of like blind faith in his Mm -hmm. own religious feelings that he himself like helped Gardner like his family was yeah. the one who basically supplanted this religion back to this area mm-hmm. is very reminiscent to like modern like political religious ideologues yeah. who only see their perspective and refuse to open up to other points of view mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like they were yeah. like okay let's talk about Democrats who only think in centrist viewpoints and don't think about left-leaning let's talk about Um, Maga republicans Mm -hmm. let's talk about religious fanatics like and Mm -hmm. i think that's really an interesting perspective because that shows that there is an indictment not only on the traditional conservative christianity that we are used to seeing people rebel against in films Mm -hmm. like this but also in the traditional old world pagan beliefs that we are sort of lulled into thinking are like fresh and a new perspective and organic, but in reality are just as constrictive as the things that we consider, you know, truly oppressive.
1: Right. That's, that's kind of the whole conclusion that I arrived at is that it's not really an indictment of either side, but both in Mm -hmm. the sense of having kind of blind faith and staunch belief in something that can, can be contradicted and doesn't always isn't always consistent isn't always mm-hmm. uh, internally coherent, because they have that conversation what that will obviously get to where they're kind of pointing out the holes in each other's belief systems, and yeah. I kind of yeah I think it's it's an indictment of the stubbornness and the staunchness of of people who are clashing and you know refusing to see mm-hmm. even a little bit of the other side yeah yeah or, or even to recognize the
2: holes in their own logic mm-hmm. and their own beliefs mm-hmm. i definitely agree that this film is like an indictment of religion as a whole um like natalie was saying because it does it does come down like really hard on like people who are blindly marching or are, like weaponizing their faith are really like causing a lot of problems in the world you know mm-hmm And I think that that's, like, interesting because, like, Natalie was saying, like, usually we would see, like, more of an indictment of, like, the Christian values or the pagan values. Like, I think, like, we're used to seeing one or the other, Mm -hmm. like, held Mm -hmm. up or put down. And so, like, it's cool to me that this film does both. It's like, you know, neither side is great here. Right. And you have that figure of, like,
1: Natalie mentioned the figure of the fool. And, yeah. you know, as the end, <laughs> we're just going to talk about the end now. So at, <laughs> at the very end, when you have the people on the, of the island yeah. singing and dancing while they're committing murder, and then Sergeant Howie is kind of, he's yelling out in prayer and and, and mm-hmm. asking God to save him and take him to heaven. It's kind of like, oh, you, you realize how foolish both of them seem in that moment. Like, oh, they're, yeah. they're like thinking that this is actually going to help their crops and their harvest the next season when it's probably... Like it, it has no relation to that, and he's thinking yeah. that he's going to be saved by saying this last-minute prayer. It's like, well okay, well, I guess if that's what you believe. So we see how they're <laughs> <Yeah>. both do. <laughs> we yeah. see how they're both doing things that they truly believe are going to save them in one way or another, and in different meanings of that word. Yeah, but how they're both—you can see how both of them are just kind of like fools in that sense. I mean, yeah, yeah not to you know, not to say if you're religious, you're a fool, but. As we're kind of getting at that that extent of not really seeing things for how they are and only for how you think they should be, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's like a refusal
0: mm-hmm. to interrogate your own beliefs. Like that exactly. in itself yeah. can yeah, lead that's you good. to your own like demise. Right. Or yeah. can cause harm to others. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and even when you have someone challenging that, just outright refusing to even see that challenge and
2: respond to it, Yeah, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite instances of that in the film, I'm just going to say it now, is when Lord Summer Isle and Sergeant Howie are talking, and it's after like the girls are like jumping over the fire, and he's talking about what was it, Parthenogenesis or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's a good
0: scene. That's a good scene. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. And then he's like, they're not taught about like Jesus at all. And then Summer Isle's like, well, Jesus was like born of a virgin and impregnated by a ghost. Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, he was saying, like, how
1: can you teach them? It's fake biology. How can you teach them that jumping over a flame is going to impregnate them? And Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, yeah, he comes back with that line. that's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, and that should be the point in time. And maybe they both do kind of realize it at that point in time, but they're not going to say anything because that would Mm -hmm. then give the other person the power. So, and then you get, yeah, you get power dynamics thrown in there. So Summer Isle's like, bend your knees, it's better
0: for the shock. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, there's literally like something very interesting to be said here about the way this film manages to act as sort of like a parable or like a, like Mm -hmm. an allegory to what it's like to witness a conversation or like a debate between two ideologues, like two people who refuse Mm -hmm. to... Remove themselves from their like dogmatic personal beliefs. And I think that Mm -hmm. a movie like this is actually incredibly like salient today, where we're in a society that has a very, very divided consciousness, like politically, morally, Mm -hmm. socially. And I think that that's one of the reasons why watching this last night, I was like, wow, you know, like I, the first time I watched this, I didn't even think about it this way. I thought it more of like a just a strict indictment on Christianity. But thinking about it, I really was able to start picking apart like pieces of the film and realizing that the movie has a very interesting and thoughtful way of thinking about culture and thinking about culture mm-hmm. shock and how that how like supplanting yourself into another community can sometimes really cause you just like put up walls instead of actually Mm -hmm. Trying to reach out and understand.
1: Yeah. And one other thing I want to mention before we get into the summary is there's also this strong connection between, in Howie's character, a strong connection between law, like the law of the land, and religion. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times he uses his position as a police officer and kind of like a representative of England, I guess, in that sense. Um, or an enforcer a law enforcer of england to be like well actually you know christianity is the recognized kind of official yeah religion of this country and mm-hmm. i'm kind of here to one investigate this missing girl but also to to kind of like promote or reinforce christianity as mm-hmm. as the religion to follow yeah.
2: which is fucking yikes as he definitely, thing.
0: Uh, yeah. oh, fully. He definitely yeah. like strong arms his way into situations using his authority as a police officer. And then, in that same breath, like immediately starts indicting the people that he's speaking to. I think a really good example of that is that scene where he enters the classroom
2: and yes. he hears
0: the teacher talking about the phallus. And <laughs> literally, when she was like, This is the phallus, I was like, Oh my God, Laura representation. <laughs> <laughs> oh she's like the penis (laughs) she was like the penis the force Um, that drives all things and then he was just like so obviously shook by that it was like this Mm -hmm. is i cannot believe you're teaching this and she's like i mean i'm just teaching our belief i'm just teaching our beliefs like but he is like condemning her threatening her being like
2: this is against the law and it's like Mm -hmm. is it but like
0: is it or are you just using your own authority to persecute people who act differently than you do
2: it definitely feels like the latter.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very much tying like enforcement of the law and oh, how do I want to say this? Like, it's tying power to religion and kind of sh- mm-hmm. demonstrating how religion is passed through displays of power
2: and yeah, and like, yeah. An enforcement of power. If that makes sense. Yeah. If I was going to say who the film falls harder on, like, is like you're more at fault. I definitely think that it does indict christianity a little bit more which is interesting because uh, yeah i think it is especially true though because like howie uh, steps foot on this island and immediately is like jesus what about jesus you're all doing it wrong (laughs) and then the people on the island are like oh you're a christian dude that's cool like whatever
0: What's up? Yo, bro, mm-hmm. what's up? Chill out. Yeah, I think. But that's an interesting it's an interesting point that you're making that, though. You're making, though, because like, I in some ways, I think, agree with you. Like, the movie is setting us up to see the to seeing Sergeant Howie as like an invader of this community. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're asking ourselves who is the protagonist and who is the antagonist, exactly. we're supposed to be aligned with Sergeant Howie. And yeah. ultimately, the community is the one that is enacting violence. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's interesting you both say that because I actually thought, that's why I, I was looking up if the director and or writer were Christian. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of saw an indictment of, or, you know, painting the... The pagan islanders as the
2: mm-hmm.
1: as the bad people, um, the villains, <gasps> the bad people, the bad the people. pagans. He like screams <laughs> at one point.
0: The, <laughs> You're pagans. <laughs> You're pagans.
1: Uh, I'm a so I very much saw, you know, felt like we were supposed to see sergeant howie as a victim and especially when he's yeah. you know when he's literally victimized at the very end <laughs> yeah exactly and he's yeah. and he's screaming out in prayer like mm-hmm. oh I, I thought we were supposed to feel really feel bad for him so i kind of saw it the opposite way but then yeah. i saw the ways that both of them were painted as victims in some ways and perpetrators in other ways
2: I can't remember, like, which article or, like, essay I had seen it in, but I think that kind of, like, goes back to that, like, quote I had read earlier about how, like, identifying with Howie, I think, is part of the message. Like, if you're sympathizing with Howie and you're like, yeah, he should be- he should be trying to, like, Christianize these these pagans, like- Christianize. (laughs) Christianize. Like, you're the bad guy. Like, I think- You know, Mm -hmm. the film is inviting you to identify with Howie, but at the same time is a little bit condemning you as well if you're condoning his actions. So
0: maybe Mm -hmm. it's like the film itself is supposed to be challenging
2: audiences on their own beliefs? That's definitely what I think. That's cool. Or their own biases, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's not a religious bias, like it is challenging you to try to see the world not just through your biases, but like you need to act like a normal person and not just like what am I condemn to others say? for? Me. Yeah, condemn. Yeah. I just started clapping. I don't know. <laughs> I know. <why. laughs> it's
0: the clap of judgment.
2: the clap of judgment. I think I was thinking bring the hammer down. That's where I got. It. <laughs>
0: yeah. Another point that I want to make, and this I think should be the last thing we talk about before we go into the summary. I, this is something that I think I want us to think about as we go through the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's also significant to note that we're watching this movie as three female identifying, like women identifying people in 2022. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be hard for us immediately to relate to Sergeant Howie as the protagonist. Like it's, it is very hard for me to put myself in his shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think that watching the film I felt disconnected for a lot of it. Like I don't relate to a lot of what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is very interesting specifically when you're talking about it from like a gendered angle, which I really want to kind of get into as we're talking about the movie as it Mm -hmm. goes. But like this film is still, despite the fact that it is very like natural and is very like free spirited and that we're supposed to be viewing this community as like so much more untethered i think than the than the way that christianity is presented in the film Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: we're still dealing with a very patriarchal point of view and we're still dealing with a lot of like the male gaze and like men's perspective and that seeps through the entirety of this movie like that's not something that you can really escape in this so as much Mm -hmm. as we're talking about the difference between these two religious beliefs, they still share a lot in common when it comes to like their core tenets, which is like, you know, the way yeah. that gender mm-hmm. is presented. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have Lord Summer Isle, who is, you know, the overseer of all and everything has to go through him and be approved mm-hmm. by him. And we also see Sergeant Howie at the pulpit, I guess you I guess, you know, delivering a sermon too.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know
0: why he was delivering a sermon, but yeah, maybe he's also maybe he's also like a, a part-time minister or
2: something. Yeah, I, I don't PT think minister. so. I think it was more just like he was the voluntary reader uh, the reader for that communion oh. sergeant reader. So oh,
0: quick, quick insight. I did not grow up religious. I don't know shit about
2: <laughs> <laughs> the way like a church <laughs> I'll, works. I'll be bringing my even. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs>
0: Let's start the summary. I think that we should I think that we should get into this movie. Let's dig in.
2: I think we've already dug in pretty deep. But,
0: but... like let's dig into the plot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. A police seaplane takes to the sky and flies over some of the beautiful rural Scottish scenery before landing uh in the water near the remote island of Summer Isle. Sergeant Howie receives a less-than-warm welcome from the villagers, who insist he must be lost and needs written permission to be there. Eventually, they send dinghy out to get him to bring him ashore, and he asks all of the gathered gentlemen about a missing young girl. Mae Morrison's 12-year-old daughter, Rowan, whose disappearance is his official police business that brought him here. He passes around a photo, and everyone claims to not have seen her or know her at all they know her mother may and insist the girl in the photo is not may's daughter.
1: Okay, so just one little thing here. Well, actually two things. First, the the shots at the beginning were beautiful, stunning, Gorgeous. spectacular. Mm-hmm. But it went on for way too long. It was like it was like 4 minutes of him just flying over with
0: these scenic shots. I was like, is this is I mean, that's, is going on that's... forever. Honestly, to me, that's a time period thing. Like, that's just yeah, no, that's a lot of a lot of movies from this time period.
1: No, I just thought it was funny because I was like, "Oh my god, he's just he's just flying." This is just he's just flying.
0: He's some would say he's snoring. He's flying. <laughs> flying. There's, There's not a star, not a in, a heaven star in heaven in that he can't, he can't reach.
2: reach. <laughs> I think part of oh that is god. to emphasize how detached Remote. Summer Isle yeah, is definitely. from yeah. the rest of the world, but yeah. also. I just appreciate how pretty it is. And the music that's playing is delightful. I'm just Mm -hmm. here for it. I
0: I definitely think that the movie starts out with a very specific, like, Hey, we got to get you ready for this vibe. Cause like, this is not, (laughs) this movie is not going to be what you think it's going to be. Let's lull you in so that you Uh understand what we're doing here.
1: Uh I, yeah, it was, I just found it funny. But then Mm -hmm. when it gets there, I got big hot fuzz vibes. Scream how, how the way like everyone is just like suspiciously looking at him and I'm like, Oh, yeah. all the townspeople are up to some
0: shit, you know.
1: And yeah. I, I really want, I'm I would guess that Edgar Wright took inspiration from this when he was making Hot Fuzz. For
0: That's sure. interesting. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz,
1: but either <gasps> <gasps> Oh,
0: shit. Okay, I know. well, you know, well, you have to get us watching
1: more Edgar Wright movies. For every movie that I haven't seen that you two have seen. I mean, I have no room to talk, but I'm, I'm just surprised. But I'll get you to watch Hot Fuzz at some point. But it's it's, listeners, if you've seen Hot Fuzz, did you get that vibe as well? Please let us know. Let me know, because I'm very curious.
0: I love that they straight up lulled this man to this island. They like, Uh they like, they like catfished him to this island, and then they still are doing such a terrible job of lying about knowing who Rowan is. Yeah. That is what I think is true, true (laughs) acting, true hilarious.
2: Wait. Are they doing a bad job, though? Oh.
1: I would say. I mean, me in 2022, yes.
0: (laughs) I would say that. The I know that they have to make it make him suspicious. Like I know that the goal is to make him suspicious. Yeah, true. But like automatically, like right off the bat, like it's just like it's so. They're like we don't know who that is. We don't know who this. Oh, we know we know who May Morrison is. Come on, uh, that's not her daughter though. Like, <laughs> like it's just it just feels it just feels so off. And I understand that it's supposed to. Yeah, but. I'm just like, really? Oh, I was like, we're just gonna jump off right the bat, right off immediately yeah. with like this is th- yeah. something's happening. <laughs> I'm like, did they did they
1: have like a town hall meeting or something like right before he came? Probably it's like, safe. all right, you guys, like
0: here's what you're gonna
1: do. You're gonna act this way and you're gonna do this, probably.
2: I do think that this is our first like big instance of like the culture religion shock, because mm-hmm. when they say no, we don't know her. Like that's something that comes up again later in the film. That's like when somebody dies, they cease to exist and, and nobody knows them anymore. Like that's well, she's kind not of like dead. how they talk. I know. But um <laughs> but like their dun, dun, dun. their narrative though is that she's dead now, right? Mm, yeah. Like that's what they're trying to get him to okay. believe at first and then like suspect So the way that they're talking about her so she doesn't exist and they don't know her would not be weird to them, but it's weird to him. And so like they aren't necessarily lying, but they know that they're fooling him. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that does make sense. That's actually a really good point. It also, I think this opening scene sort of touches on a question that I wanted to ask you guys throughout the movie. And that is, what about this movie do you think really makes it, like, a horror movie? (laughs) Is it just the ending? Or do you think that we are supposed to be scared throughout? Like, this film is devoid of jump scares. There's not a lot of, like, gore or, like, horror elements of that Mm -hmm. nature. We don't Mm -hmm. have any, like, suspense sequences. There's not really, like, a lot of moments that are rooted in, like, tension. So I'm curious... I'm curious whether or not we think that the horror is supposed to come from, like, us viewing this culture that is so different than Mm -hmm. our traditional Christian culture. Or if it's supposed to be the, like, subtle feeling that something is, like, wrong or off.
2: Uh, Nick actually asked me this last night when I was watching it, because he had never seen it, and I was like, I really want you to, like, at least half-watch this with me, because I'm curious what you're going to think about it.
0: Nick and I, yet again, all the same page.
2: (laughs) And we were talking about how, like, it wasn't actually, like, that scary, but he was like, what about It Scares You? And I said, I think the thing that is the most terrifying about this film is that, is the psychological element,
0: Mm -hmm, because
2: mm -hmm. he comes here and is just fooled by everything. And, like... The fact that he doesn't realize that until the moment he emerges from that cave and Rowan is like, did I do a good job? And like, he is so fooled up until that moment. I think that's terrifying Yeah, that like this, the psychological horror he must be undergoing at that exact moment. Like, Oh yeah. my God, I'm about to die. Like, I think yeah. that that is incredibly well done. It has like Shutter Island vibes, like all of that, like, Oh, my God! Everything I know is a lie. yeah, that's scary.
0: I get that i I would agree with you to some extent there. I also think mm-hmm. that I think the culture shock in and of itself is kind of like an unsettling aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of just like really feeling so out of place and just like not understanding what's going on is I think a big mm-hmm. one. and I think that there are a lot of scenes where it feels like the locals are attempting to make him uncomfortable. mm-hmm which is i think also really interesting. I would agree with both of those things and i
1: i was also thinking about this question while i was watching the film because i was like this yeah this is folk horror but what's the horrific element to it? And i think i think that's going to be perceived differently because it is folk horror which i don't know mm-hmm. a lot about, but you know, it does give off a different feel when you're watching it. I do know that. So yeah, you're not going to have the jump scares. You're not going to have the creatures, you know, it's not a creature feature or anything like that. But the monster's kind of ambiguous in that I think a lot of this is kind of the horror or the fear of the other, you know, the capital mm-hmm. O other. Yeah. Um, it's something that you don't understand and something that is quote unquote foreign to you. So we have him mm-hmm. in this very isolated setting that he is completely unfamiliar with. It's just him. He can't call in backup and he doesn't know that. And I think that as he digs deeper into this, he starts to realize that he is, one, he is truly isolated, and two, he can't trust any of the people because they're just continually lying to him. Yeah, they're, they're constantly lying. Right. They're reinforcing that sense of isolation and paranoia. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like, I saw a parallel between the scene where he goes into the tavern, and the parallel with, actually, the tavern scene in An American Werewolf in London, yes. where it mm-hmm. very much gives off that sense of, like, there is an uneasiness here, mm-hmm. and people are going to act like it's fine, but then when you strike that nerve, that kind of makes them, like, stop for a second, and and then mm-hmm. you realize that you're actually, like, you might not be in a good spot. Because I'm thinking of that scene mm-hmm. in uh, American Werewolf where, where they're in the tavern and all of a sudden yeah. they're like, what's that star on the wall? And everyone's like, yeah, dead yeah. silent. Like, oh, shit, you don't yeah. even know what you're in. Like, you don't mm-hmm. even know. Um, and while there wasn't anything like that dramatic in this, there definitely was a sense of like, you're in over your head. We know that you mm-hmm. are and you don't know it yet. So I think that was the horrific element element of it for me and that he just like how said like completely unaware of how much danger he is truly in and really mm-hmm. his helplessness in it mm-hmm. yeah like at the end when he finds out that he can't call him back that's like when you know he's fucked because <laughs> and he knows he's fucked because what the hell are you gonna do against a whole town yeah yeah good question though that's exactly what i was
2: wondering mm-hmm. uh sergeant howie heads to may morrison's suites and post office shop i guess um to get to the bottom of whether rowan is truly may's daughter or not to his surprise may confirms that you know she does have a daughter but her daughter is myrtle and not rowan yeah confusing while may <laughs> confusing <goes> back- <laughs> Well, <While> may <laughs> while may goes to tend the shop howie crouches down to question myrtle who offers him this gray paintbrush to help her fill in the ears of the hair that she's painting it's very cute Unlike the adults, Myrtle confirms that she knows who Rowan is and claims that Rowan loves to play in the field. And Howie asks if Rowan's going to come join them for tea, and Myrtle's like, "Huh? LOL. Hairs don't have tea, silly." The plot thickens. True.
0: <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah.
2: I also love like how much the hair comes up, like the the rabbit. Yeah. And like I hadn't really thought about it as a symbolism and i like googled it and i was like lol they've been trying to tell him this whole time they're trying to tell him that he is the hare, but he doesn't get it
0: Ex- explain
2: yeah so um obviously like rabbits and hares are often depicted in like hunting scenes yeah like, they're being mm-hmm. chased mm-hmm. and the fact that they're like everywhere and he's like constantly running into them especially in relation to rowan who he is also chasing and then he ends up becoming the hare who is killed mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. like that a lot i think it's that really is cool. cool uh no. hairs also symbolize rebirth and resurrection nice of Ooh, course thanks. so it all it's it's smart
0: I definitely think especially watching this a second time you can totally see that there are plenty of signs that kind of point to the ending of the film and when you're watching it back you're like oh if he had been paying if he had not been so blinded by his mission Mm -hmm. and blinded obviously by his distaste for these people I think that he might have been able to avoid his fate. Like they said, they, they, he came willingly to the end of the movie because they Mm -hmm. tricked him because he was so just stuck in what he thought was going on that he didn't Mm -hmm. really see anything outside of that. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's actually a really good, a really good point because there are some that are more obvious, but I think that that's actually pretty subtle. Mm
1: -hmm. And maybe kind of flaunting, they're flaunting their paganism uh like flaunting their their sexuality and and stuff like yeah. that maybe that was kind of just to throw him off course and get mm-hmm. him to do a, a clumsier job and maybe start to to view them as evil in a religious sense or like as mm-hmm. wrong or corrupt mm-hmm. and then interpret their actions like anything they do as wrong and corrupt. Because if you think all these people are evil because of their religious beliefs, then, oh, maybe they did this really evil thing or they're planning to murder this child. And maybe that actually threw him off the scent, but into their plan because he was just so thrown. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That night at the Green Man Inn, hell, your fans make some noise. Also, Great. True Detective fans, the Green Man with scars on his face.
0: Men twenty twenty two. Did you pick that up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what. That, I think that was in the Green Man, or <laughs> I, think I think that, mean, that was yeah. in the Green Man. <laughs> also, it's always sunny. Green Man. Uh, I think that was in. <laughs> I think that was in True Detective, where the girl describes the Green Man
2: with the face with scars. Anyway, continue. Anyway. The uh, the place is hopping and lively as ever. As soon as Howie enters, the music stops and everyone grows silent. He lets a room and as Willow, the landlord's daughter, is about to show him to the dining room for dinner, the whole place erupts into a lusty song about how everyone sleeps with the landlord's daughter. We love a musical number.
0: Literally, they are like, hey... This is Willow. Everybody in the town fucks her to become a man. <laughs> yeah, I was, that's what I,
1: I now was she was she the dude's daughter or was she the Lord Summer Isle's daughter? I think, um, I think she's, she's actually the guy's daughter. The dude's daughter. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. she was Lord Summer Isle's daughter. No. Okay. At first I thought that she was the landlord's daughter, but then like as we move moved on, I thought she wasn't. But anyway, I was like, are they just straight up singing about like just objectifying her to no end? Literally. <laughs> and she was like dancing along to it.
2: Yeah. I read somewhere and I can't remember where I had seen it. Cause like her whole thing is very curious in the <laughs> film. And I read somewhere that she is considered like an avatar of the, the love goddess. And so like she is held in like an honored place. So she gets to, like, walk with, like, Lord Summerisle in them because she is considered, like, the avatar of that, of that
0: mm-hmm. goddess. I do think that Willow is an excellent example of this film, but also this culture, objectifying women and using them only as sexual objects. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so that's the valid. Thing,
0: the thing about the way that sex is portrayed in this film that makes me think that it's not as, like expressive and like free Mm -hmm. as they make it seem to be is that it all revolves around fertility
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: not uh, it's not really it's not really about like sexual pleasure like sexual freedom because all of it is like very heteronormative obviously and then also in a way that posits women as sexual objects to be used for fertility and like used for men everything's about the penis everything is about the penis obviously and then women are basically baby makers exactly
1: well is i mean i mean isn't that kind of how lots of religion like christianity views it that way too
0: uh, exactly. So, like, that's what I. That's, yes. That's when I earlier when I said that everything is infused with that patriarchal vibe. Like exactly. Yeah. You're seeing that right off the bat. The first thing he learns about the people in this town is that everybody fucks this one woman.
2: Mm-hmm. To become a man. And she's cool
0: with it because that's how she's, they become men. Like yeah. it's it is wild to me. It's it's it truly is. it's truly wild. Like when I was watching it last night, I was like, this is kind of fucked up. Like,
1: <laughs> and <laughs> no, she's like.
0: Yeah. Uh, living. She's like, yeah.
1: This is mm-hmm. Oh, is. yeah. She's like smiling and dancing and like grinding yeah. up against a well, dude. Well, you know, apparently
0: it's like an honor. So like. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah. 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 But I that just clicked for me. Like sex is procreative full stop is mm-hmm. very much a Christian yeah.
0: belief. Yeah, definitely. And in a lot of senses, that's how it feels like it is here, too. Like, yes, there's a lot more of it. And yes, it's not necessarily just within a marriage but it Mm -hmm. still has the same purpose their whole goal is fertility
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and it is also curious that like the ritual that the i don't know if it's a ritual the rite that they are doing later when they're jumping over the fire is to get Mm -hmm. them pregnant by the fire yeah it's like asexual by by,
0: like a god Yeah. yeah i liked
2: that line where he was like it,
1: doesn't that sound like being uh impregnated by the fire like or like a fire god doesn't that sound better than like being impregnated by a man or something like
0: that yeah. and i'm like and, honestly true
1: Like
0: <laughs> that was hilarious i my favorite part of that scene i know that we're not there right now but my favorite part of that scene is where he's like they're just jumping naked over the fire and he's like well it doesn't really seem like it would make sense to do with clothes on yeah, like, that would <laughs> be <Yeah>. dangerous.
2: <laughs>
1: I liked that too. I, uh, I was like, okay, the whole okay, Sauron. I get-
2: <laughs> <laughs> or Count Dooku. You know, getting oh, all our, man. getting all our pulls.
0: It's Sauron. He's Sauron. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not a Lord of the Rings girly. That's not my vibe.
2: <laughs> I wasn't gonna correct you because I didn't want to be that. But oh, somebody nerd fucking right would. Now. If you
0: didn't, somebody fucking would. Are posting us on the internet?
2: Like, uh, moving on. Sergeant Howie is a Puritan through and through, though, I guess, because he's like, no, 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 everybody stop dancing. You gotta tell me if you've seen this girl or not. Cover yeah. up those ankles. Yeah.
0: He does not, he does, he does not approve of their frivolity. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Everyone denies seeing her or knowing her, but he does notice a variety of framed photos on the wall that are from different harvest festivals throughout the years. And in every photo, there's, like, a plentiful amount of, like, fruits and veggies and breads. And there's, like, a different woman, like a like a harvest queen, I guess. May queen. May queen. Yeah. Exactly. That's the word. But the one from the year prior is mysteriously missing, though the landlord says with utmost suspicion, it got broke. Dun, dun, dun. Howie is served dinner and it does look pretty gross and he complains that most of it has come out of a can and questions Willow about it. And like they didn't have a great harvest. Whatever. Willow's just like, yeah, it must have all been shipped out. Whatever. Yeah, Yeah, we don't have apples. It's fine. We're just known for our apples. He
0: really is pissed about those apples.
2: Exactly. He is. He's like, there's no apples
0: pagans <laughs> he brings up apples like every five minutes of this movie it feels like he's like constantly talking about the apple wow yeah.
2: because the
1: apple from the tree of knowledge oh my god oh, wow. you, you see that, yeah. Do you oh see? my god
2: <laughs> yeah Whatever. i just thought of
0: that damn
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm like stunned silent. That i didn't think about that i didn't think about that, <laughs> didn't that at all you
0: said that i was like oh shit you're right <laughs>
1: This is what
2: happens in conversation. Willow does offer him some peaches and cream from a can, and reminds him that life isn't all about food. And he goes to like have a post dinner walk, and he happens upon a bunch of people just like having sex in a the field. <laughs> they're not having or they're not having an orgy. It's like more than a few couples just like getting it on. It's like a
1: sex picnic. Like you so each have like a your little sex party. square. And you know, you're just doing yeah. it on your square. It's
0: it's very season two of True Blood.
1: <laughs> and they don't they don't notice him watching, but he's yeah they notice. They really... I mean, I think I think they... they
0: there's like there's a couple shots where it looks like they're yeah. looking at him. Oh, oh I just don't think that they care.
1: Yeah. They don't care. Well, there's like another couple fucking like three feet from them, so Yeah.
2: yeah. They, they don't really like, mind. It's cool. Howie's christian sense of modesty and purity continues to be challenged by the cemetery some people are like watering the trees that are growing out of the graves and there's just like a naked lady crying at the gravestone and he's like i can't take this anymore
0: that was pretty wild i was like (laughs) what's her story like i was like give me the background
2: there (laughs) a lot of like weird stuff happens in that graveyard
0: yeah i'm like damn i'm I'm curious
2: (laughs) Howie storms back into his room and he's like taking notes and he tries to pray and has this memory of communion and reading from the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm. But he's
2: finding it super hard to focus because the party never ends on some And he True. is repressed and horny.
0: But it is about time to get my favorite song. Of the movie. Oh, Go I, on to I- was
2: actually going to ask at the end what everybody's favorite song was.
0: This one, this one is my favorite one. I think yeah. that it is. I think it's kind of fun. And... I think the vibes are good and I honestly, I think that the setup for it is really kind of funny. Like I (laughs) I think it's just, I think like her walking around just like purposefully fucking with him is funny to me.
2: Yeah. (laughs) My favorite moment in the scene is when she's like banging on the door and then she like has to sing and so she turns dramatically to face the camera again (laughs) like a music video. It's my favorite thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: It's so funny. Willow like goes to her bedroom she's like a sergeant whatever and she's like (laughs) tapping on the wall rhythmically trying to summon him to her and she's like fully naked and ready to party she's a real bare naked lady (laughs) yeah she breaks into this like siren song and she's trying to seduce him and she's like totally fucking with him like Banging on the wall, slapping her ass, like all of it. <laughs> yeah, like, and he's
1: like profusely sweating.
2: <laughs> profusely he is sweating sweet.
0: so much. He is like so coated in sweat.
1: I. This is the scene that I remember. I told you that I had. Se- I thought I had seen something from this movie. Yeah. It was this scene. Well, that's so, good. So, I think it must have been. I think I was in like eighth grade, and I was at a friend's house, and we were just channel surfing. And we came across this and we hit this, this scene where she was yeah. specifically where she was banging on the door and like gyrating and yeah. then like banging on the wall and slapping her butt. And mm-hmm. we were like, what the fuck is this? And we were laughing hysterically. Cause we had no context, even with context. It's hilarious. And uh, so then like for months afterwards, like our inside joke was like, we would be like, Hey, remember that naked lady banging on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> so when i saw this again
0: it was like a vivid memory it was like a visual that day (laughs) yeah i love that i think i i love that i love this whole setup i love that they're kind of just like testing him be like okay yeah so like you say you're a virgin what we're gonna Mm -hmm. do is have her sing about like how good it's gonna be if you come over here and fuck her and we're just gonna make it like super tempting and i love i love the drama of it i love how he's like up against the wall yeah. like touching it and he's like sweating and he's like oh, yeah i can't And it's so funny like it's
1: now what do you what do you think about the image of you know specifically having him be a virgin you know usually it's a, a woman who's a virgin and that's like oh you know the shiny object but now we have that reversed what do you think about that
0: what i what i was like I don't, this isn't like a fully formed thought, okay. but I do have something to say. And so <laughs> there's that scene and a little bit later that we already kind of mentioned where we have that flashback of him, like doing a reading at his church. Mm-hmm. And then they have mm-hmm. him like taking the body of Christ and like doing, what's that called? Communion? Communion. Communion. You. Yes. Doing that. And so it's a shot of him like on his knees and he's taking it in his like open palms and like pressing the palms to his face. I, I'm doing it right now. That's why I just muffled my voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, Method and acting. All, all I could think about was how it's really interesting to me when you see portrayals of like really like masculine men in popular culture, like they're religious, but you never actually see them in religious contexts. because when you see a man mm-hmm, yeah. in a religious context, it's inherently subservient Mm -hmm. and in that sense like there's always like this sort of like i guess like feminized aura to a man in a religious context accepting like the eucharist because like he's on his knees and it feels like he is like in a way like debasing himself for god Which is the point. Like, I know that. But I think it's interesting that we get that scene Uh in this movie because it feels, there's something about it that I think ties in with the virgin thing. And I don't exactly know how to put it all together, but it has something to do with gender. And I'm like, I was like thinking about it this morning. I was like trying to put that thought into like an Mm -hmm. actual, like an analytic sentence and I, I could not figure out how to do it so hopefully you guys can help me but i was just like there's something there's something here and it's interesting i just don't exactly know what about it, it is
1: my thoughts related to that and and so the eucharist is like very much a sacrament about remembrance and reenactment in a sense mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the idea is that they are l- literally consuming the body and blood of Christ, which has been transformed into that through, well, it's called transubstantiation. But it's also like remembering this very sacrificial event where, it, I don't know if listeners know, I was raised Catholic. This is how I know. <laughs> this is how I know all this stuff. I went to a Catholic school and all that jazz. But it's like remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made, and so he's like, at that last supper, he's literally like giving his blood and body to his disciples yeah. or his apostles. So in a sense, I kind of see that as foreshadowing and that Ooh. Sergeant Howie sees himself as this, they even reference it yeah. at the end, like he's kind of this martyr. So he's very much literally giving his body and blood dying yeah. for his beliefs. Interesting, Which parallels with the Eucharistic kind of sacrifice that he, he takes part in. I want to say symbolically, but they don't, but Catholics don't believe it's symbolic. They believe it's literally his, but you know what I mean? Like a kind of symbolic reenactment of that dinner where that happened. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I see the two connected. I'm not sure. That's interesting. I'm not sure what I see as far as like, you know, masculinity, but the idea of of being a sacrificial man is kind of tied to masculinity. So yeah, I don't I don't have a super, yeah, formed thought on that, but I did see that other
2: parallel yeah. there. That's that's really interesting. I was like just barely starting to form that thought, Laura, and then mm-hmm. that was beautiful. That was exactly. Thank it. you. Yeah. Thank you. Aww. I <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that.
1: I hadn't until now. See, it's like the, yeah. these things I don't even think about until like something that you or Natalie yeah. says sparks it. It mm-hmm.
2: definitely, like, it was a scene that I understood they were trying to communicate, like, the faith element, like, mm-hmm. right? I, I understood that that was part of it, but it was, like, such a specific moment yeah. that I was, like, that there's a purpose behind it, and I think, like, leading into, like, the sacri- the sacrifice of it mm-hmm. is probably what they were going for.
0: Yeah.
1: And I also saw it as, you know, he's a christian man and so you know a lot of that is tied to repression especially sexual repression yeah um, Mm -hmm. no no matter your gender i mean it's anyone but Mm -hmm. so i I saw it as him kind of really trying to he's feeling very seduced and like really trying to hold on to that thing that's going to continue to help him repress his sexual
2: desire and and all of that definitely do you think that if he had slept with willow that it would have made him ineligible to be a sacrifice
0: yes they specifically say that he is a virgin at the end i, yeah, I like, no, literally this was a test
2: yeah i i thought and maybe i misunderstood what they were saying i thought at the end that they said that he had to come willingly and like him coming here as a virgin as well was like part of the stipulation. I wasn't sure that he had to stay a virgin at the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think they meant coming to the actual I, sacrifice as got a virgin I. because that that's why they have Willow throw herself at him to see if he is actually as staunchly a Christian as they say as he says he is. Also mm-hmm. like they sought him out specifically. So they they, they did, sought huh? him out because he was a virgin. They were like yeah. this man's has not done it so he can he could be burned alive
1: and what was i yeah. also had the thought where they say they chose him because he came of his own free will he was a virgin and was there a third thing yes he, he has he, authority. He's,
0: he's a the power of a king
1: yeah okay i was like hmm that kind of seems like three christian like values yeah that that he yeah, would be does. that he would be like you know Something that yeah. he would hold up as ideals. So those are actually the reasons mm-hmm. why he was targeted. Yeah. I just thought that was
2: and a twist. I think there's like an interesting like double meaning be- behind that like authority of a king. I think which might be what you had just said where he's like coming as an officer of the law under the king. And then also like when he realizes that this island is full of pagans and he starts to like what's the word? Not evangelize, but like... Oh, I was going to say evangelize. Pro, That's the word I was saying. Yeah. That he also is doing so with the, I'm putting this in quotes, authority of the king. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: That's true. And yeah, to go back to what I said, I mean, truthfully, the Christian value wouldn't be seeing yourself as a king because it's very much like promoting the idea that, you know, the poorest of the poor is still... Um, has as much value as the richest of the rich. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't technically jive with what I said, but I think with what Heidi said, then it makes sense. Like, he is acting, he has a position to begin with, and then he's coming to kind of, like, make good people out of them. Yeah. yeah. Or so he thinks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The next morning. The schoolboys of Summer Isle are putting up a maypole outside and we're back with yet another awesome musical number that is essentially about the circle of life Mm -hmm. at the schoolhouse. Miss Rose asks one of her female students what the maypole represents and all but one excitedly tried to answer that it's the phallic symbol. (laughs) I did think it was interesting that like it was the boys doing the maypole Yep. I was gonna ask, oh, yeah, what do you guys think the about them splitting
0: them up? I was like, what do you guys think about them splitting them up? Oh, shit. <laughs> I- <laughs> Sorry, my mic, <laughs> I moved, I moved my mic fell. I moved on, my mic fell. But
1: yeah, I was but-
2: like, what do you guys think about them splitting them up? Everybody I- touch
1: your penises together.
2: <laughs> no! I I thought it was actually really interesting for a, for a culture that seems like very about sex.
1: But... But like sex has defined roles for mm-hmm. men and yeah. women. So like it, it flashback to the non-sex ed that yeah. I received. Oh screen. You me. know, where they <laughs> where they would yeah. split up the boys and the girls and you'd talk about things that pertained to your body,
2: but not their bodies. And You yeah, guys it, didn't get that? I saw, I went to like a Christian school and we had like two days and one of it was like about your body and then the other was about the other oh no guys i went to
0: public school and (laughs) we um, learned about condoms. (laughs) my my health teacher said in our in our sex ed we were doing our sex ed like part she was like um well we had a video that we were gonna show you guys that we showed the last class and they wouldn't stop laughing during it so we can't show you the video (laughs) (laughs) so here's this banana yeah, apparently cats fucked at it. We were hearing about it all day. We were like ready to go to health class to see the video of the cats fucking, and then they were like, "We're not going to show it to you because everybody keeps making fun of the video when we put it on." So, <laughs> what did you expect for
1: real? Lane. But but I definitely saw that as like, yes, let's separate the sexes because yeah. they each have defined roles within the intercourse.
2: I guess that makes sense. I I was a little bit shocked that they would be separating the genders.
0: I wasn't, because at the end of the day, this is a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're like, let's go have the boys
1: celebrate their penis. Is. Penises. Peni. Penises. Peni. And let's have the girls sit and talk about how worthy they are of having, of accepting a penis. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, I think she even says something like, the penis is the driving Thing the behind gener- all the driving force? force behind all things, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, which is you know a statement. Yeah,
2: yeah. Howie overhears this, and he's and aghast. <laughs> he threatens to report the school for teaching degeneracy that leads to public indecency and brawls and everything he finds offensive to his good Christian morals. He asks all the girls in the classroom if they know Rowan Morrison. And they all, again, say no. Yeah. He notices, however, <laughs> that there is an empty desk.
0: in the and middle asks, of the fucking room. They really <laughs> yeah. couldn't just like have somebody sit at the middle of the- They couldn't <laughs> just have somebody sit at Rowan's desk. No,
2: they have to string him along.
0: Like the beetle. Like the beetle on string.
2: Yeah, exactly. We got it. When he asks about it, Miss Rose denies that it's anyone's desk. Then he goes over and he opens it up and finds a beetle tied to a string on a nail. And he's he going like, round and like, round.
0: Like, verbally accosts this young girl (laughs) (laughs) who has a terrible haircut. (laughs) She has a terrible terrible haircut! (laughs) Oh.
2: Howie is not amused.
0: No, he's Uh, not.
2: He forces his way to Rose's desk and finds the school register where he does see Rowan Morrison's name. He's like, you're all liars!
0: Dude, literally when when he finds her name on the ledger, Shelby, my roommate, Shelby goes oh my god, she's on the ledger. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, babe, she's on the ledger. Big shock. It was honestly so funny. I was like, yeah, oh, she's in it. I was like, oh, she's in it. Um, I mean,
1: honestly, that was same. I was like, oh, he's going to find her. He's going to see the name. I like how he's just like, every time they're like, we need to ask Lord Summerisle if you can do this. He's like, fuck that dude. Like, I'm doing this right now.
0: They're like, we need to ask what's on He's like, I am a cop
2: <laughs> who doesn't I'll have throw a you in jail. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> One of the things that bother me bothers me about this movie is that he really is like, I don't need I don't
0: need anything.
2: Court. Every time he's just like, do you
0: want me to throw you in jail? Because that's I love what how, I'll do. I love how like they're still listening to him. The when he threatens them, though. I, I was watching Riverdale last night, and. There's this scene where Betty, who at this point is an FBI agent. What? Is, Wait. I said what I said. <laughs> and she is on this like swampland that Hiram Lodge owns. And she's like, I'm going to search this swampland. And then Hiram's like, no, you aren't. And she shows her her badge. She's like, "As a, I'm an agent of the FBI. I can do this. And he was like, I don't give a shit about your. He's like, you can put your stupid badge away. You're not going to look <laughs> through this land. I'm like, see, that is an example of them being like, I just don't give a shit. You're not yeah. gonna do this. You're not gonna fucking do this. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, on multiple occasions, he's like, I will put you in jail if you don't do this for me. Mm-hmm. And then they just acquiesce. And I'm like, girl, if you really don't care about him, fucking fucking get him out of there. Be like I mean they hey. need him to find it Be out. Like, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right.
2: Like, that's kind of like the double-edged sword of this, is that he gets away with it and also everybody had to let it, him if it weren't if it for, the wasn't for that
0: d- the meddling wicker man <laughs> the meddling <laughs> not meddling
2: rose asked to talk to howie outside and says that if rowan existed they would know her they don't use the word dead and instead believe that rowan has returned to life as some por- as some part of nature
0: she what i know what i like about what how that is said is just like she's like we don't use the word
2: and then she (laughs) She mouths dead yeah (laughs) yeah
0: that i love because she was like screaming penis in the classroom earlier i was like that that's fun
2: (laughs) he is astounded that the island is not christian and she's like oh they mean they learn about christianity as a comparative religion but the resurrection and dead bodies are too much of a hurdle for the child's imagination (laughs)
0: that's so funny that's
2: <laughs> i loved that
0: they they really said that with their whole chest they were like this is yeah. going to be fun <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: he asks where he can find the body of rowan morrison and she roundabout tells him it's at the graveyard yeah. so he wanders She's the like, I don't really stones. know if I
0: can call it a churchyard anymore because it's not really a church, <laughs> but yeah. I was like, that is so... I was like, get over yourself, ma'am. That is so funny. He is just <laughs> disgusted. She's like trying to piss him off. She's like, yeah, yeah like, we think that Christianity is a little childish, whatever. It's not really yeah. a churchyard anymore because it's not really a church. <laughs> <laughs> we just have sex in there. Yeah, it's just this <laughs> building we use for sex. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
2: When he stumbles upon the groundskeeper, Howie asks what kind of little tree is growing out of a fresh grave. The It's kind of fresh, I guess. The groundskeeper informs him that it is a Rowan tree, and it's for Rowan Morrison, who's been dead about six months. Gasp. Yeah.
1: Also, what's hanging off of it? It's her umbilical
2: cord. It's her umbilical cord.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. I was like... Right where it
0: belongs. What do they call it? They call it like a navel string or something? Yeah, the yeah. navel string.
1: I was like, is that... What?
0: I don't like how pink it is. It's very, it's much pinker than I would expect it to be.
2: That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. At the post office, Mrs. Morrison is trying to help cure. I think it's Myrtle's uh, sore yeah. throat by having her suck on a frog, which is a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like an old a wives' little. tale? Yeah. I, I, don't I know. This. I wanted to ask, why do you think that this island? Is like so behind with science. Like, do you think that that's just like a a thing about being a cult? Like, they don't want you to learn too much.
0: Well, because they're pagans. Well, here's a here's a question that I have. Yeah. Do you really think that they're that behind on science? Because let's let's take a moment. They're wearing
2: other part of my. They're
0: wearing modern clothes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They have electricity. They're you know they have telephones. Wait, do they have telephones?
2: I don't
0: know. I don't know if we see a telephone or not. But they like they have electricity. Like they yeah. they're of the modern world. Like there's yeah later when they're doing the parade, Christopher Lee is like wearing sneakers. Like he's wearing Converse. Just, yeah, like like it's they they are modern. They just. also believe in these like sort of old world gods and these old world remedies you know maybe it's just like health related yeah i don't think it's mutually exclusive i don't i think yeah i think that it's just like i think it's no different than like um having a like chicken soup recipe for when somebody's sick you know what i mean And thinking that that's gonna help you you know what i mean The
2: yeah the second part of my question was like they have they have a chemist, which is why uh, they have, like, a whole chemist, right? And, uh, <laughs> as opposed to half of a chemist. <laughs> they have, like, a chemist, so I think it's supposed to be, like, a pharmacist? And yeah. he's got, like, all of those, like... The foreskins? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's got the jar Do you... of foreskin.
2: <laughs> Do you think that that is all an act to throw him, to throw Howie off or, like, further convince him that there's I... something wrong with the island? I didn't I... see it as an act. I didn't see it as an act. I just thought
0: that they were... Into, like, more traditional remedies and stuff like that. That's all I thought it was.
2: That's totally fine. Mm. I was just curious if you thought that there was something more. Kind of like uh, folk medicine. I, I don't know. Yeah. That, like a thing, but that's, yeah. I always like, imagined sad. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious what you thought. Yeah. Well,
0: it's like in the Love Witch, she has that, like, shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Alright. Howie calls everyone on this island crazy in their <laughs> beliefs. And finally makes his way to the Hall of Records where he is yet again, told he needs permission from Lord Summer, Summer Isle for any documents.
0: This is, this is the part where I was like, girl, just tell him to go.
2: Like, yeah. <laughs> he incorrectly demands that he should be able to see them or he'll arrest her. And she just gives in. And he finally gets to, like, scour the records, the death records, and finds two Morrisons, but no record for Rowan. When he asks about her death, the clerk says she doesn't know anything about Rowan, but does confirm that Rowan is the girl in the picture, which is a first on the whole island.
0: Yeah. I love how she's like, yeah, that's the girl in the picture. I do not know one thing about this girl.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she was literally your
0: guys' May Queen. Like, come on. like, yeah. <laughs> Curious.
1: Also, I, I, I don't know how I feel about, like, at the beginning, they're all saying, no, we don't know her. I guess that goes back to what Heidi was saying. But then
0: but then like all of a playing, sudden, him. oh, yeah, she died. Yeah. Like, we all know they actually. They're, I think they're just trying to buy time until the thing happens.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Keep him in
2: town. I yeah. thought at first that the gal in the Hall of Records messed up. Mm. Like, she said the wrong thing.
0: Well, they can only keep lying for so long.
2: They truly can. Like, yeah. they need him to continue investigating. And- yeah, because...
0: The whole point is for them to, for the town to convince him that she is about to be sacrificed. Like, that is their goal. Mm
2: -hmm. So that he'll try to save her. Yeah,
0: yeah. so they have to, they have to set it up correctly.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. As Howie continues his search, he witnesses a fertility ritual that some girls are performing in an orchard near the Lord Summer Isle estate. That's my favorite musical number. (laughs)
0: that one's pretty good though too I do Mm -hmm. like that one
2: the Grand Estate is practically like a museum and it looks super cool huge fan of this place Um, and Howie like meets with Lord Summer Isle and cuts like straight to the chase and is like can I dig up Rowan's body and (laughs) like prove that she was murdered and Lord Summer Isle insists that they don't murder here since they are deeply religious Mm -hmm. and I loved that moment
0: Mm -hmm. so
2: much mm-hmm. because like obviously howie considers himself to be like deeply religious as well and like if your nation's entire thing is like our our official religion is christianity and you're still having people murder that's yikes right mm-hmm. like that's essentially what lord summer was saying loved it mm-hmm. anyway how he takes offense how could they be religious if these young girls are dancing naked? There's a ruined church and there's no ministers or priests. Oh, the horror. Bro, not everything is about you. <laughs> not everything's Christianity. But like, how are you super caught up on the nudity?
0: He would be. He was sweating pretty bad earlier.
1: I like how Lord Summer Isle is like, don't you find their youth like regenerative or something? Re- He's like, Refreshing.
2: Don't you... Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Just watching naked women. That's but yeah, weird. it's fucked up yeah yeah so they continue to have this conversation about and we've kind of talked about it a little bit already and like how he can hardly believe anything that he's hearing there's fake biology fake religion and lord summer isle has the gall to say that the christian god is dead
0: yeah, it's it's really interesting how like with, with what with such ease Lord Summer Isle is just kind of like shutting down everything this guy is mm-hmm. saying about Christianity, mm-hmm. being like, Hey, you know, like whatever you whatever you're thinking, I disagree with you, this is what's working for us. Like he's just like mm-hmm. very, very calm about it, very, very like, this is the situation, this is where you're at, you're gonna have to deal with it. Like <laughs> Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it is a really effective scene, I think, to Mm -hmm. give you kind of a perspective of where these people are coming from and where Lord Summer Isle is coming from as well. And it also kind of gives you some insight into the lengths to which these people are devout.
2: Yeah. Lord Summer Isle explains the roots of this island and why his grandfather settled here. Nearly a century ago, his grandfather created a new strain of fruits and veggies that would thrive in this island's volcanic soil. But to expedite the workers' passion to help and, like, their motivation, Summer Isle's grandfather rekindled their worship of the old gods, and when the harvest was plenty, everyone bought into it. And since then, the Summer Isles have kept the secret that it all started as a lie to better the morale of the island. My question is... Do you think that Lord Summer Isle believes in it, though? I think yes.
0: Because he kind of says that that the longer they've been doing it, the more entrenched they're getting into this Mm -hmm. belief system. And I think the end is really indicative of that, too.
2: Yeah,
1: But, yes, I, I, I think that's a good point. And we have to keep in mind that that is what, like, legitimizes his power in the eyes of the people Mm -hmm. so you know if he were to essentially if they were not to not believe what he's telling them then he would be out of a job
0: but does he
1: believe it i think there's a potential that he does not but it could also be that he does but either way it's still probably at the forefront of his mind that the, the continued buy-in of the people whether he believes it or not is essential mm-hmm. for his like stability and power
0: yeah i i think at that point you have to believe in it because the only that that's his only course of action like if he right. if he doesn't believe in it then the whole thing collapses you know what i mean
2: but like he his grandfather fully invented this right like and everybody else still believed it And like he says, like, my dad carried it on out of love for my grandfather. And so like I'm doing the same. Yeah. When he said did he say out of love for the grandfather or just out of love? He said out of love, but I thought it was implied.
0: I assumed, now I could have been reading this like just in a different way, but I assumed that when he said carried it on out of love, I thought he meant love for like the religion.
2: Hmm oh that would i didn't even think that it there was a possibility that it was the religion i thought it was like he's doing because you said that and i was like oh shit did he say that
0: because then i just completely misheard it (laughs) but um (laughs) so yeah (laughs) that makes sense that's just not that that's just automatically what i assumed i guess
1: i think that gets back to what we were talking about earlier at the very end when he said uh they will they will they will not not fail they will not fail. So maybe, you know, if he does believe that's him genuinely expressing that belief, or if he doesn't believe he's like trying to get himself to believe. So I, I, I don't know if he does or not. And I'm not sure there's a great indication of that. I don't know. That being said, you know, I, I watched it once and I didn't even question whether or not he believed. I, I assumed he did. But now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, eh, I don't know.
0: I think there is a point when you are in a position of power like this where you cannot divorce yourself from your belief system because yeah. then everything collapses. And I think that right. that's where he's at. Like, there's no option for him to not believe in it because if he doesn't believe in it, he loses everything that he has. So, like, it right. doesn't really matter, like, if he didn't believe in it before because he must now in order to continue the status quo.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to, I think, a part of religious identity is like, if you grow up believing this and knowing this, knowing this to be true, in a sense, then if you start to question that, your whole identity kind of breaks down and that could Mm -hmm. lead to some sort of crisis.
0: There's this um, Hulu series that came out recently called Under the Banner of Heaven Mm -hmm. that is about, like, fanatical Latter-day Saints, which is pretty good. Andrew Garfield's in it. He's fantastic. Daisy Edgar Jones is in it. She's also very, very good. And what the what the series is basically trying to show is, like, an incredibly religious man who loses his faith and, like, the mm-hmm. implications of that. Mm-hmm. And it basically says exactly what you're saying, Laura. Like, the whole point of the series thematically is that once a religious man loses his faith, he loses his identity. Yeah. And... I think that that is definitely something to be said here for both parties, but specifically for Lord Summerisle, his belief system is what gives him that, that power. Mm -hmm. And so he cannot be divorced from it because then he like basically ceases to exist as he is currently, you know what I mean? Like it's
1: right. It's like kind of like, like, the divine, the, back when like kings claimed that they had the right yeah. to power because it was divine, oh, death, like, yeah. they had the divine power to rule or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, if you acknowledge or if you start to question whether or not you actually have that divine right, that there is no divine that gave that to you, then it's like, well, shit, am I just a man? Or, you yeah. know, back then, am I just a man? So
0: then necessarily it becomes not an option to question your faith, Right.
1: Yes. And I think that's the reason why people get so defensive when their beliefs are challenged, because if they are forced to consider why they believe what they believe or that there could be some other, other belief that is that is different from theirs, then, you know, what happens to their worldview? What happens to their identity? What are they? Who are they? What's the purpose of life? Then it all starts to snowball and you get, the, the end of shutter island <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's yeah. like you know i think that's what's like a linchpin of a lot of this type of identity because if you start to question it where does that leave you and what happens to you afterwards it's it's mm-hmm. a scary thought
0: yeah and there's there's plenty of that that happens outside of a religious context as well like right. i'm, not, no. I'm no. definitely oh, yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. that this has to only exist within a religious context right. but i think that that's what this film is interrogating
2: specifically Mm-hmm. that was good thank you for entertaining my question thank you <laughs> keep going yeah that night howie digs up the body of rowan and opens up the coffin to discover Quote, unquote, her own
0: the, the body of rowan <laughs> hair quotes. Hey, i was
2: about to do the reveal <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 as if we haven't revealed everything <laughs> i know inside the coffin there is only a hair and not am not like a, a hair like a, a, <laughs> i was a like a human imagine was only
0: only one single hair ajrr <laughs> we're going to do gene testing
2: but like a bunny like a bunny <laughs> There's a little, little bunny a, a dead rabbit and not a human no Howie charges back to lord summer isle's place where rose and the lord are singing and drinking he throws the dead hair at them who are not concerned at all and rose like oh, this is a lovely transmutation. She always loved hairs. And Howie's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where's the body? And then Lord Summer Isle, who is like the snarky queen of this island, is like, you're supposed to be the detective here.
0: (laughs) What is like so, so funny to me in this scene is like when he was like, okay, where's the body? I was like, you know what? This time he's got a point. Where's the body? And then Summer Isle is like, I mean, you're the cop. That... hilarious (laughs) hilarious <laughs> I was like the first time okay. the first time this man says something that is like truly like valid like okay but like where is her body though like Lord Sarmile is like okay we're, let's play a game
2: <laughs> I love it
1: yeah and he's so just fun. like very nonchalantly playing the piano They go, they immediately yeah. go back to singing their song there's just this dead rabbit on the ground yes I laugh. If he chucks it,
0: out, don't He's just like "fuck
1: you." Really does. there's yeah. no fucking
0: body. Yeah, I I do think that there is something to be said. If we're going back to like what makes this kind of scary, mm-hmm. is I do think that there's something to be said about like the inherent horror that comes from people ignoring something terrible happening, mm-hmm. which is kind of what. Um, how he thinks is happening throughout the film. It actually kind of reminds me of yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre that oh, we covered yeah. for our audio commentary. Like when she's running around trying mm-hmm. to save her own life and everybody just doesn't care because this is what happens here. You know what I mean? I, I think that there is something to be said about like the tonal dissonance of somebody thinking something is very, very wrong and nobody mm-hmm. else around them acknowledging it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think especially like as... As he starts to formulate this plan that they have sacrificed her, the fact that nobody else seems bothered by that would be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: I also wanted to add that I think that when I saw, when he opened up the coffin and yeah. saw the hair in there, I was like, oh shit, Myrtle was right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Scream is a <it> hair. <laughs> oh my what does God, this I mean? love that. <laughs> I didn't even realize that Myrtle called her, her hair until Heidi mentioned it. Yeah. In, the, yeah, in the summary, and I was like, "Oh shit, she called it!" Like, uh, I was like, "Myrtle knew it all." Yes, this is part of the reason
2: I was excited to learn that Laura hadn't seen it before is because, like, I wanted to know what somebody else thought from like a fresh perfe- perspective. Yeah. All right. Howie is at the end of his patience. There's a missing girl presumed dead, a grave, no death certificate, no body, and all these people are like, we don't even know who she is. He has now come to the conclusion that the island's pagan beliefs may have caused them to sacrifice ro- Rowan, and they're all trying to cover it up. Lord Isle is not intimidated, and says he's sure Howie will be relieved that he's going to miss the May Day celebration since they're going to offend his Christian sensibilities.
1: I love his little trip to the library. Yeah.
0: I love him just reading everything literally exactly. out loud, saying his I thoughts know. out loud. And that woman is just watching him. It's so I funny. I know.
1: She's just like, can you please shut up? We're in a library. Literally, mm-hmm.
0: I didn't even realize he was actually reading it out loud until like halfway through. And then I was like, he's just, he's literally just, I thought it was like a mo- like a voiceover. Yeah.
2: I, I did too. Yeah, I do think part of it is voiceover. The other part of me thinks that that person is watching him to see his reaction, because yeah. that is the foundation oh. for everything that's about oh. to happen.
0: Oh, 100%. That's exactly
2: what that's I thought was true. happening.
1: I didn't too. even put that together. Yeah. I thought she was just a random woman who's like, why are you reading about all this? Like, we already know this. No. She's like,
2: gotcha. Hook, Ooh. line, and sinker.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. because like, literally everything they do from this point forward is just setting up the end of the movie.
2: Yeah. Howie continues to poke around the chemist slash photographer's back room where he finds old photos, including the mysteriously missing harvest photo from the year before, but there are hardly any crops since the crops failed and is horrified to discover that the girl in the photo is Rowan. He is more convinced than ever that there's going to be a sacrifice and it's going to be Rowan. Howie decides he needs to leave to bring reinforcements, but when he tries to start his plane, it seems to be dead. Has somebody sabotaged it? After he returns to the shore to investigate, a man in a hobby horse parade costume gets his attention and he starts to chase him down. And everybody's like excitedly preparing for the parade. The punch figure, the swordsman, all of it. The whole shebang. Exactly. Oh, I guess I didn't talk about it. He yeah, I was like the library.
0: Yeah, he at the library he reads about the ritual they're about to perform. And yeah, it says in the ritual that the like king of the celebration is Punch, the fool, yeah. and he is the one who will eventually be sacrificed. This man reads this yeah. and then puts on that punch costume and does not think about it at all. I
1: did yes. not even notice that. Does not think about it at all. What the hell? I did not catch that. I just thought there was like a punch the the
2: guy like he was the third person. I don't recall them saying that punch is going to die.
0: I really really think that they do. I part okay. of me wants to pull it back up to check because I am. That makes
1: sense because they're like he's king for a day
0: but he's also a fool. Yeah. Because literally, he's like king for a day. He is the person who is like ultimately, but like, I yeah. really, really think that that's what he reads. I didn't read this like on Wikipedia or something. I'm just going off of what I remember him saying in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I trust you.
2: The only reason that I think he would have put it on. Well, because he's, he's not reading. thinking it's
0: going to be 100% the same. Yeah. He thinks that they're sacrificing Rowan.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's just It was just really interesting to me because I was like, wow, bro, you just said that this is what <laughs> happens. And then he still, he still puts it on. But I also didn't know that I don't have, a, I don't know a lot of like lore. So I didn't know that like punch was the fool. And I thought that was really interesting because it reminded yeah. me of Gone Girl where she gave him the Punch and Judy dolls.
2: Exactly. I was gonna. That's what I was going to reference to like the Punch and Judy dolls and like how that's like such an old mm-hmm. icon of the fool.
0: Yeah. I very much so believe that that's what happens. I could be wrong though. So if I am wrong, I am sorry.
2: Either way, he is a fool for putting on that costume. <laughs> but true! It's like, like, the only thing he can do. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, he really, he has no choice, but, like...
1: I think it's another one of those things where he's, like, kind of blinded by his mm-hmm. objective yeah. and what he thinks mm-hmm. is true, that he's not exactly. actually seeing the reality around him. Yeah. yeah.
2: Lord Summerisle is, like, We're going to do the procession at 3 p.m. It's going to end at our most sacred place for the sacrifice to the sun god and the orchard god, which have really cool names and I never wrote them down. Regrets. Howie is increasingly frustrated and the clock is ticking. So he decides to just search every household for Rowan, even if he has to break down the door. Which is
0: evil. honestly funny. I love them making fun of him for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know. Mm-hmm. I love how like he, he's like, what's in there? What's in there? And they're like, oh, this is my costume. This is for the festival. And they're just like, cheery. Yeah. He also finds, this is curious, a boat in the harbor full of empty summer isle apple crates as though they are expecting a great harvest quickly. Mm-hmm. The landlord of the inn, McCready, encourages Howie to stay in bed for the night since the island doesn't particularly like having strangers around for Mayday Howie like goes to take a nap but he like wakes up when he starts to hear Willow and her father talking about how you know they were given instructions and they don't want him to interfere and they have a plan to make him sleep for a long time by lighting the hand of glory which is fully like a hand candle It's spooky I
0: love I love like their stage whisper I know we can't make we can't wake
1: him up (laughs) Yeah, so that I guess that's that was my question was like, so that was all an act. Yep. Oh but, yeah. But okay, so they wanted him to go up there and hear.
2: Yes. He has to put on the costume. Then what so... was the
1: what was the hand candle for? Spooky. I, don't know. I think <laughs> just to be
0: creepy. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. Okay. Just to, just to keep him on his toes.
2: Oh. Yeah. He. Fakes being asleep, and as soon as Willow and her father leave, he seizes the candlestick and sneaks up on McGregor and takes him out and steals the punch costume to infiltrate the parade. On the parade route, Lord Summer Isle chastises Howie for not dancing enough, seemingly fooled that it's not McGregor. Yeah. The the parade finally comes to an end at a Stonehenge-like place. They have everyone walk below the six swordsmen's swords in the shape of the sun, or they tease they will perhaps cut someone's head off before they continue to the ocean scary i love how all of them when they go scary. through there they're like oh my yes. god and then yeah. like
1: such relief when they come out unscathed
2: it's such a good reveal when they do like cut the head off of the hair another another foreshadowing moment Ooh. i know
0: he was so shook by that too he was like oh my
2: god <laughs> yeah and it's just like a little girl with a giant headpiece it was good yeah At the ocean, they offer the ocean god casks of ale and then move on to their more dreadful sacrifice. The horns sound and Rowan is at last revealed. She's bound and dressed in all white. She is to be the sacrifice, so Howie was right all along. Mm
0: -hmm. He charges
2: up there and tries to free her. Rowan's like, oh my god, it's so scary. Get me out of here. She's so giddy, though. Like, you (laughs) can tell. She's like, it's my time people pursue them into the cave and when Howie and Rowan eventually emerge from the giant hole in the ground near the cliff's edge waiting for them are Lord Isle, Willow, and some other villagers. Yeah. Howie's hella confused and shocked and things get wild. Rowan is no longer afraid. She's very giddy and Lord Isle's like you did a great job and Howie realizes that he's been played. Yeah. Lord <laughs> Isle. You know, it was like, ha ha, we fooled you, we lured you here, and like, yeah, the crops did fail, but we're gonna prevent that by sacrificing you, the right kind of adult, who is a virgin, a man of the law, and a fool who came of his own accord. As they like prepare him from the ritual, Howie is like, I'm a Christian, I'm not gonna stay dead, God's the one who punished your crops and not your, and not, like, the gods, like, mm-hmm. you're just gonna murder me. And nothing works because lord summer isle's like no trust me this is gonna work howie of course predicts that next year they're gonna kill summer isle if this does fail and then they at last lead him up to the giant wicker band he's gonna be locked up inside the giant chest area and like the structure has like all these other caged animals around it because they are not taking any chances this year Once Lord Summer Isle makes the plea to the gods to accept the sacrifice, the wicker man is set ablaze. And Howie, like, is trying to ask God for forgiveness for his sins because he hasn't had a chance yet to have confession. Mm, So he's going to be damned. And then the villagers all join in together in another little jaunty tune while the fire consumes the wicker man.
0: Honestly the end of this movie it's a very striking image yeah Mm -hmm. i think that the end of this movie is definitely the most horrifying part of the film like oh yeah yeah it it's definitely insane you know they could only do that once so like um, they got some really good shots with it thank god Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's definitely striking and it's definitely memorable
2: like when they first reveal the wicker man it's so good it's like Mm -hmm like the structure itself is not that spooky it's just like a giant man mm-hmm. and, like alone on a hilltop but like yeah. when you understand that they're gonna burn him alive that's when it's truly terrifying yeah yeah
1: and like the way he's protesting the whole way is just like mm-hmm. you hate to yeah. see it really because it's just it's just sad like he yeah. knows that yeah. he's, there's nothing he could do and that moment when he's like he's he's with um willow i think rose and lord summer isle and it's and he's Mm -hmm. trying to like plead with them and then he looks back and he sees all the people at the top of the hill and it's just like there's no fucking way and you know he he makes a really good effort to be like hey you're next my dude if this doesn't work when this doesn't work and i think he even says something like the reason your crops are failing is because of and he gives some like scientific answer or reason like your
0: strains can't grow here
2: (laughs) right like it's also like well they
0: fucking did before it's like
1: yeah i guess so i guess so but like he made a good effort (laughs) i guess the best effort he could but it's kind of like there's such helplessness there that it was Mm -hmm. it was hard to watch a little bit yeah
0: it's always it's always hard to watch somebody begging for their life exactly
2: and when he's like singing the hymns like inside of the wicker man is like the flames are getting higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Oh man, the desperation! Good mm-hmm.
0: acting. When I was watching this with my roommate, she was like, "What does he think that's gonna do?" When he started singing, and I was like, "I think he's trying to give himself some comfort because he's about yeah. to die." Like I was like, "I don't think it's about. Yeah. I don't think it's about like giving them the middle finger as much as it is about him trying to round them out and yeah. be ready to be burned alive."
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think, like, there is, like, definite panic in him, though, because he hasn't had confession, and because he hasn't done that, like, his life is about to end in nothing. Like, he's gonna go to hell, is what he actually thinks. That's wild.
1: I kind of thought, like, maybe this would do absolutely nothing if this- but the structure looked a little, you know, maybe not the best, maybe not the sturdiest structure, so I was like, could he just try to, like, thrash himself around and, like, get it to, I I don't know- fall i don't know it looked kind of thick like the it did yeah. look thick yeah but i wasn't sure how well they had constructed it so i don't, I don't know i guess i'd be like do whatever oh, there's also like a literal
0: out. cow like above him so like <laughs> don't... yeah true.
1: there's a lot of animals yeah i mean th- there was nothing he could really do but i kind of wanted to see him like try to escape i don't know but yeah it was definitely such a it was a big downer big mm-hmm. downer ending but you know yeah. that's what leaves an impression yeah. I
2: also love that like you just get the sun setting and like you have no idea
1: if it's gonna work if
2: it worked or not.
1: yeah I wanna know yeah. if it works I know I do too and then I also wanna know if because you know you'd think that obviously the police force knows hey we sent this dude yeah. out here he didn't come back like I think he even says they'll come looking for me Well, and, and they're, they're like, like we're yeah, gonna yeah, cover yeah.
2: it
0: up they're like yeah. we're not worried
1: about that at all but the thing is, like, how could you cover that up?
2: I don't know. Well, there's not going to be a body.
1: Yeah, maybe they'll just do the same thing. Be like, oh my god, a new police
2: officer over here. Yoink. To the grave. Mm-hmm. You guys, that was so much fun. Yeah. I I don't... I really don't think that we have
0: as much... I don't think we have anything else that we really need to get into. We've, we definitely... We definitely, I think had a really good discussion about this movie i feel like there's a lot to unpack and i think we did a good job unpacking it like that was a lot but i mean i, I kind of want to say as like an epilogue or
1: an yeah. afterword or whatever that like none of what we have said or i guess i'll speak for myself but none of what i said i you know i don't want to paint religious people or people of faith yeah, in a bad way so like none of that discussion was intended to ostracize or criticize anyone who is religious But I think that, especially what the film is trying to say, is when that religion or religious beliefs are taken to an extreme Mm -hmm. that, you know, puts other people in peril and becomes blind to, as we've said, any other type of belief system or anything of that sort is when it becomes problematic. So I don't want anyone who's religious to listen to this and be like, wow, they're just fucking hating all over religion. But yeah, I just wanted to make that little statement and i also wanted to say that i appreciated watching a crime film like a crime horror film because i don't yeah. watch a lot of like i i watch some of those like i sometimes but it's not something that i typically go straight to yeah. so i thought that was neat yeah
0: i don't I, I this is not even this is much more of a full horror film than it is a crime horror film yeah. but mm-hmm. that does make me excited for i think some of the movies that we are thinking about maybe doing in the future All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for our discussion on 1973's The Wicker Man. Please definitely check out our commentary on the 2006 remake, which should also be posted right now. We're very excited about giving you guys both of these for Halloween. Keep your eyes peeled for more episodes coming your way. We have some fun stuff planned for the rest of the year. And our next big main episode is gonna come out next month sometime and it is going to be on a laura pick laura do you want to give us a little preview of what you've got coming down for us
1: yes so my pick for next month is going to be train to busan
2: Ooh.
1: yay i love that movie yes so it is a 2016
0: i was gonna guess 2016 I was 2016 like, was
1: yes zombie film it's a korean film yeah And so we haven't done a zombie film. I love zombies as a monster. I don't love every zombie movie, obviously, that is made. But I think that Train to Busan is a really good one. I think it's super well done. It's an international film. So we're getting another one of those in here, which is always good. And just Korean horror films in general, I think, are just fucking hitting it out of the park. The ones that I've seen, I've been really impressed with. And I think that in general, a lot of good horror is coming out of South Korea, so I, I definitely think it would be good to look at one on the podcast, and um, I'm excited. I think it's a really fun movie, but it also has a good narrative.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a really great movie. I've seen Trading Blues on like like four at least four times. I think I've seen. Oh my it so god! Many times. I thought
1: you hadn't seen it.
0: No, I've seen it oh, a no. lot. I actually watched it like maybe five months ago. I've I've seen it like I've 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 watched this movie a lot.
2: <laughs> I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. it'll be a good discussion for sure. So keep your eyes peeled for that episode coming your way. And yeah, obviously, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Uh, If you're not enjoying the podcast, we'd like to hear from you, too. But um, (laughs) you can follow us on uh, Instagram at Slashers Prefer Blondes Podcast, where we post little things about the episodes that we have upcoming and some fun stuff over there. You can also rate or review us on the Podcatcher of your choice. Those are really important because it uh, helps us be seen by more people. So it is always really, really awesome to hear what you guys think. When you give us a review or leave us a rating. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you guys at our next episode. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Halloween. Stay spooky. (laughs) End of podcast. Yes.